Hello and welcome to Spartan Red Zone. I'm going to be your host, Derek Grantham. Tonight we're going to be talking about the post-game between Michigan State and Youngstown State, Saturday's game in East Lansing, where Michigan State finally showed up on the offensive end, defeating Youngstown State 55-17. to I'll give you a quick recap of the game. All right, the Michigan State Spartans didn't have to depend on their defense to beat Youngstown State 55-17 to Saturday afternoon as the offense amassed seven touchdowns in a runaway victory. Connor Cook was replaced by Tyler O'Connor midway through the third quarter, but unlike previous weeks, the substitution was to prevent an injury to the sophomore quarterback after he had an outstanding first-half performance. Cook led the Spartans, who are now 3-0, with a career-high four touchdowns on 15-22 passing for 202 yards. He looked confident for the first time all season and showed the ability to carry the offense throughout the remainder of the season. This is what Connor Cook had to say after the game. The first two games, I never gained a comfort level because the coaches said we were going to rotate quarterbacks throughout the game. For this game, coaches told me at the beginning of the week that I was going to start, and that gave me the confidence that I needed. Cook's play against the Penguins warranted Coach D'Antonio's decision to name him the starter in Week 4's matchup versus Notre Dame. D'Antonio said, It's important for our guys to establish confidence as the season progresses. Connor had a great game, and he will be our starting quarterback moving forward. It's very important for this Spartan team moving forward crucial aspect to their success. The key to the Spartans' offensive success was the receiver's ability to create separation throughout the entire first half. McGarrett Kings had four receptions for 61 yards and a touchdown, while Aaron Burbridge finished with three receptions for 44 yards. A balanced running attack was beneficial for the Spartans' success as Nick Hill rushed for 83 yards and nine carries and a touchdown, Jeremy Langford contributed by adding 69 rushing yards and two touchdowns himself. Even though Michigan State starts the season undefeated, we should not forget about the early struggles because of one successful game against a lower-level FCS opponent. The Spartans still have to prove a lot, and next week's game versus Notre Dame will be a real test for them. However, it is reassuring to see the offense show signs of life, because confidence is a crucial key to success. And that is precisely what this team needs as the Big Ten schedule approaches. For the first two weeks, when they played Western Michigan to start off the season, and then University of Southern Florida in Week 2, I wasn't on the bandwagon. All right, There was a lot of things that I didn't see going right with this offense. Initially at the beginning of the season, when D'Antonio came out and he made the comment that he was going to have Maxwell be his starting quarterback, but... There were three other guys that were in contention for that starting spot. That right there threw up some red flags for me. You never want to hear that from your head coach. You never want him to say, we have four different potential starting quarterbacks. Because that means you don't have any quarterbacks whatsoever. You have garbage to deal with, okay? That's all you have. And fortunately, Connor Cook absolutely proved me wrong. Granted, like I said, it is a lower-level FCS opponent. Youngstown State is a cupcake team. They are put on Big Ten schedules, SEC schedules, Pac-10 schedules, Big 12 schedules to allow the other opposing team to gain confidence as they absolutely demolish them. That is the reason they're on the schedule in the first place. And it was reassuring to see them actually demolish 
Youngstown State. Michigan State needed that. Their offense needed that moving forward. Hell, their defense needed that moving forward. The defense has scored four touchdowns in the first two weeks. The Michigan State offense has scored one. That's unacceptable. You're not going to win very many games with a tough schedule playing like that all year. And the way the offense came out and performed on Saturday was just reassuring not only to the defense, not only to the coaches, not only to the fans, but to Connor Cook. He needed that game. He really needed that game for himself. To come out and play as well as he did was very calming. Now, when I say calming, I would like to explain where I come from. All right, The reason it is calming is because there has been a lot of panic in East Lansing these past few weeks regarding the quarterback position, regarding the offense in general. A lot of people I've talked to have said, oh, that offense is absolutely unbearable to watch. Well, they made it bearable to watch them on Saturday. They gave fans hope, and that's what we need. Because there wasn't too much hope coming from the first two weeks of play. And a lot of people I know after they played Southern, after they played South Florida University were saying, how is our offense even going to be able to produce when we can't even score on a team that allowed 53 points to McNeese State? Not very comforting. Not a very comforting thought. But they came out and proved something. They came out and showed real grit. McGarrett Kings really answered the bell. We've had a lot of problems at receiver this year. A lot of drop passes. A lot of receivers not running the right routes, breaking off routes, not getting separation. It's been a real problem. McGarrett King showed up. Four receptions, 61 yards. A lot of people say that's pedestrian, but it wasn't. It was very effective, and he was pulled later in the game. Some, sometime in the second half, he could have amassed over 100 yards. And meanwhile, Aaron Burbage, who's had his fair share of drop passes, Finished with three three catches, excuse me, for 44 yards. Big day for him. Big day for the offense. Meanwhile, one of the unsung heroes of this game was Nick Hill. All right, I like Jeremy Langford. And I like Riley Bolo. I think they're both pretty solid up-the-middle north-south runners who can get the job done in the trenches. But I really enjoyed watching... Nick Hill run. He showed explosiveness out of the backfield. And I don't know about the the regular fan out there, but for me, I love seeing an explosive back. It makes your your offense more dynamic. And when you have a a dynamic offense, your, your capabilities are endless. You can put them in the slot. You can put a two-back formation where you don't know where you're going to go. Either you're going to run it with Jeremy Langford. You could run screen plays. Just options are limitless. And I really like what I saw from him last week. Hopefully he'll be a more crucial part of the offense moving forward. And uh, D'Antonio was asked the question, what are you going to do with your running back situation? What, what do you mean what is he going to do? Why does he have to do anything? What's wrong with a running back by committee? You never hear about one running back controlling the offense anymore. You don't. It's not the way it is. I mean, I'm not saying they're an extinct breed. You know, the running backs who will get you 25 to 30 carries a game, that's still feasible, but it's it's going extinct. All right. Running backs take a lot of lot a lot of damage in the middle. Okay? They get the handoff right up the middle meeting them. 
are six foot four, six foot five, three hundred pound mammoth men who'd love to hit people. And that's what they get all day. Why would you expose one guy to that 30 times a game? If you can separate those carries sparingly between three different individuals and you still find success, I don't see the problem in it. Why does one guy have to shoulder the load to make it effective? I don't agree with that at all. As long as one guy can get 50 yards, another guy can get 45, and another guy can get 30, right there, that's over 120 yards rushing. What's wrong with that? Nothing at all. I'll take 120 yards on the ground every single day of the week. Every single day of the week. Let's get back to Connor Cook, who just absolutely showed up against the Penguins. Huge game for him. 15-22, to 202 yards. You know, a lot of people will say, ah, that's not the best, but (laughs) they didn't watch the Spartans' offense for the first two weeks. They didn't see the quarterback play, the lack of productivity, how... The offense was absolutely abysmal. How every single time the quarterback dropped back, you didn't know if it was going to be an interception or an incompletion. There was never the thought of a completion in the back of your mind. There was never a thought of a touchdown because they didn't do it in the past. Two games. Two games. In a game that's become more pass-heavy and you haven't scored one touchdown. Two games. I'll repeat that. Eight quarters. Zero Passing touchdowns. None. One rushing touchdown, excuse me, two. With Jeremy Langford had two. I think he had one in week two. Then he had one in week one. So two rushing touchdowns on the year. Meanwhile, Shalit Calhoun on the defensive end had three. Three defensive touchdowns. Not offensive, three defensive touchdowns. Four touchdowns total for the defense. So the defense, through weeks one and two, had double the amount of touchdowns as the offense. That's how bad the Spartans' offense was through week one and week two. And everybody coming in was saying, this is a crucial game. Notre Dame is right around the corner. It is the utmost importance for us to establish some sort, some type of rhythm before we head to South Bend, Indiana. And it was big. It was a big step for them. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, it's Youngstown State, whatever. It was still big to get that rhythm. I'm not saying it's going to transition to success. I don't know if it is. I have no idea. I can't sit here and tell you, oh, well, they uh, had seven touchdowns in a game. They have to be successful now. No, absolutely not. Youngstown State, like I said earlier, is a cupcake team. Everybody knows that. You're supposed to put up these points against them, but no one thought that. No one did. No Michigan State fan going into that game on Saturday said to themselves, oh, yeah, Michigan State is going to absolutely crush them. Because there was a thought in the back of everybody's mind, we probably could get beat. We saw in with Michigan versus Appalachian State. Granted, Appalachian State was a powerhouse in their own subdivision, but it still can happen. And by the way that Michigan State's offense played in the first two weeks, it warranted people's idea that they could actually lose in week three to them. But they came out. They came out and performed better than expected, exceeded expectations. A lot of people wanted to see the offense produce, but they came out and absolutely dominated. They took their foot off the pedal in the third quarter, and they still scored 55 points. 
many of their t- when when Tyler O'Connor came in the game, the offense slowed down substantially. I don't want to bash on Tyler O'Connor, but that was nice to see. It was nice to see that there was actually a different level of competition between Tyler O'Connor and Connor Cook. That's the way a starting quarterback and a backup quarterback should look. When the backup quarterback comes in, there should be a drop in productivity. And it was nice to see that instead of starting quarterback in, second string comes in, third string comes in, place kicker comes in for the quarterback, and still the same amount of productivity. It's, it's, it's sickening to watch. It's not worth watching. I mean, this is the first time, the first year that I've ever been in a press conference. Uh, this is the first year I've ever been in a press box. First year ever. I've never been a part of this before. I was so excited at the beginning of the year because I remember Kirk Curbstreet actually picked the Michigan State Spartans to surprise everybody and win the Big Ten. So hype was big, but there were still questions about the quarterback. But no one, no one thought the quarterback situation was going to be as bad as it was in the first two games. It was absolutely disgusting to watch. It wasn't even fun. For instance, I'm sitting there with my partner, Max, and I, and I tap him on the shoulder and I say, this is absolutely terrible. Like, I was excited about this. I wanted to watch football. I don't even want to watch them play. And then they came out in week three, and they rejuvenated my spirits. They got me thinking, Big Ten title again. That's pathetic that I say that. Take that with a grain of salt, ladies and gentlemen, because I am actually a Lions fan, so I tend to over-exaggerate every single thing. Like, the Lions lost in week two to the Arizona Cardinals. I instantly jumped off the bandwagon. But if they win this week in Washington, I'll be right back on. Oh, Super Bowl bound. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, they'll make it. No big deal. They have questions all over the place, but they got this. Of all jokes aside, I don't think Michigan State's going to win the Big Ten title. But it's, it's nice. It's reassuring to see the offense actually compete. Let's talk more about that defense. Just absolutely nasty. Once again, came out and had a solid performance. I'm not really sure about the number exactly, how many, where they rank in the country, but they gotta be, they gotta be top ten thus far. They have to be. Turnover ratio, amount of QB pressures, holding team to a minimal amount of yards. I'm, I mean, just last week they they allowed only 172 yards total. 172 yards an entire game, and that was against a team that spent the entire second, third, and fourth quarter passing the ball. And you still shut them down? I want everybody to know, once again, this is against Youngstown State. Stuff like this isn't going to be happening against Notre Dame. I'm not saying that Michigan State's defense isn't going to come out and compete because that would be absolutely asinine to say because they are. They're a, talented, they're a talented group. They are going to come out and play. And last week against South Florida... The Spartans had another dominating performance on the defensive end, allowing only 155 yards, only 66 yards passing, and 89 rushing yards on the ground, which is absolutely ridiculous. And let's go to last week. Excuse me. Check that. Not last week, but week one versus Western Michigan. It was the same type of output. Very minimal amount against this team. 204 yards total. 193 passing, 11 yards on the ground. 11. Western Michigan is probably the best team that Michigan State has played so far this year, and they allowed 11 yards rushing. 
They almost lost that game, of course, if it wasn't for the defense returning two touchdowns that game. Jeremy Langford, like I said, had a touchdown that game, 20 carries for 94 yards. Great game by him. Jarius Jones had two interceptions. Curtis Drummond returned a touchdown. Excuse me. He returned a pick for a touchdown. It's a great game overall. Defensive game, that is. Wasn't great on the offensive end, but they produced defensively. So let's think about that. Youngstown State, around 150. South Florida, same number. Let's give Western a cool 200. That's 500 yards through three games allowed. That's stingy. Absolutely stingy. You hear about defenses allowing 600 yards in one game. Spartan defense, less than 600. Less than 550. That's the type of defense that this team has been playing, and I don't expect them to slow down anytime soon. I don't expect them to take their foot off the gas because they know, regardless of the way that the offense played in Week 3 versus Youngstown State, there is still a target on their back by the media, by fans, by other teams. You don't think Notre Dame is going to go into this game thinking, or excuse me, knowing that Michigan State's offense can't get it done? You don't think that they have those opinions? I'm not saying that they're going to come out and loaf because that's not my point. I'm saying that they, this defense, this Notre Dame defense, who hasn't been as good as last year, obviously, after losing Manti Teo, team captain, fake girlfriend haver, no big deal, still was a leader. Still was one of the best linebackers in the entire country. Losing someone like that hurts you. But they're still going to come out firing all cylinders. They're still going to be pissed about losing to Michigan. They don't want to lose to another rival, regardless if they say that Michigan's not their rival or not. We still are. Michigan State and Notre Dame's history go way back. And if people don't think that Michigan State and Notre Dame are going to clash this time around, they're absolutely wrong. Michigan State is going to remember losing at home against Notre Dame last year. Tough loss. Once again, last year we were dealing with the same problems. Spartans had no answer at quarterback. They thought it was Maxwell, but they were just limping on throughout the year. Their record indicated that. 7-4, finished strong by beating TCU in the Outback Bowl. But the Outback Bowl? Cool. Take me to the Outback Bowl for two more years and I'll show you a coach who doesn't have a job anymore. Outback Bowl doesn't get anything done. doesn't prove anything. What bowl did you guys go to this year? Oh, went to the Outback Bowl. No big deal. It finished 7-4. and four. Barely made it into the BCS conversation, but you know what? We made it. We made it to a bowl game. Cool. Awesome. You guys made it to a bowl game. The Spartans finished 7-4 and four again and make it the Ford City Motor Bowl or whatever happens at Ford Field or any other smaller level bowl. I'm not saying D'Antonio's job is going to be in jeopardy, but at the same time, there's going to be questions. There's going to be questions of, are you an offensive-minded coach? Do you have the ability to even move the football? Do you have the ability to recruit strong offensive players? Because you obviously can get it done defensively. There's no questioning that. Two years prior, Michigan State has finished top five with the likes of Alabama, Georgia, all those SEC teams you hear about. MSU is right with them throughout 
the past two years, and even this year, they're right there. I don't see them slowing down. The defense isn't the problem. With guys like Shalit Calhoun, Marcus Rush, Max Bola, Darquise Denard, Trey Waynes. Defense is loaded. Curtis Drummond, I can go on. Even their backups are getting it done. Nothing wrong with the defense. They got it going on, and they're going to continue to get it going on. The thing with the defense is their ability to rush those four guys up front. Shalit Calhoun is having a monster year. It's an amazing year. His sack numbers aren't as high as they should be because he, he even alluded to this in the press conference how he wasn't upset with any, any, of any outcome of the game besides the fact that he missed a sack. It's the type of worker he's going to be. Someone that's going to grind in. Someone that's going to grind day in and day out and try to get the job done. Because that's what he's all about. He's going to be one of those defensive ends that we're going to be talking about as the year progresses, how he's getting better and better every game. He's only a sophomore. The kid's going to be a monster. You got Marcus Rush, who's getting it done. Hoover, just a big line. And the thing is with that, with that defensive line is they're creating pressure with just sending four guys. So it's allowing, it's allowing the defense to drop three men, excuse me, three linebackers sometimes into coverage, stick the corners on the outside, and the two deep safety. There's no, there's no reason to have to load the box up with guys and just expose yourself to uh, the passing game because the fact that you can line up with four guys and still create pressure with just four guys, that gives you the ability to drop seven in the coverage when you need to, which is huge, which is absolutely huge for a team to succeed. And the Spartans have proved thus far that they can actually succeed with just sending four guys. And just leaving it up the rest up to their and just leaving the rest up to that that fantastic secondary and a linebacking core that's led by one of the best linebackers in the country, Max Bola. So the defense is gonna show up against number twenty two ranked Notre Dame. They are. They're gonna be there. They're gonna be creating pressure on the quarterback. They're gonna be there blocking run lanes. They're gonna be creating turnovers. That's not the question. The question is, which offense is going to show up? Is it going to be the offense that we saw against Youngstown State? The offense that showed a dynamic quarterback who's willing to take a hit? Who's willing to sit in the pocket and wait for things to progress? The guy who can run, but will be a pass-first quarterback? Are we going to see the Connor Cook that was absolutely abysmal in weeks one and two versus Western Michigan and South Florida, where he threw zero touchdown passes. Are we going to see that guy who runs first? Are we going to see the guy who throws balls right at the defender's chest? Are we going to see the guy who drops three steps back in the pocket and gets happy feet and you can see his feet flutter? But he does look frazzled in the pocket. He doesn't look comfortable. Past tense. I'm going to say that again. He didn't look comfortable in the pocket the first two weeks. He's looked comfortable in last week's game versus Youngstown State, but I can't emphasize this enough. It's Youngstown State. It's Youngstown State. They're not a national contender. 
They're not even North. They're not even Indiana. They're not even Illinois. Two cupcake teams in the Big Ten. Illinois and Indiana would wipe the floor with Youngstown State. They would. Face it. That's the way it is. And we have teams like Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska. Teams that are proven in our conference. It's not reassuring. It's not at all. And to, and to say that we travel to Notre Dame, we travel to Iowa, travel to Illinois, Nebraska, and number 18 Northwestern on November 23rd. We also have Indiana at home, Purdue at home, Michigan number 15 at home. Should be a huge game with all those implications that are going on right now with Michigan, with the, with the pilot from Michigan who drew goal, go blue in the sky over Spartan Stadium. A lot of people were pissed about that. I didn't really get that angry. I didn't really see the harm in it. It was just, uh, to me, it was playful banter. But, you know, there's a lot of people who takes that, take that stuff personal. And eh, not really. I think it'd feel much better after they did something like that to take their undefeated record, granted, if they still are undefeated, and beat them in Spartan Stadium. That would be perfect to me. Other than that, I don't care. How funny would it be to see someone write Go Green over the big house? That'd be funny then, wouldn't it? Of course it would, because it doesn't affect us. But since it was someone in an airplane who was writing Go Blue over Spartan Stadium, oh, it's disrespectful. Shame on them. But then to turn around and laugh at someone writing Go Green above the big houses, kind of hypocritical. So that's neither here nor there. It's just, just a competitive rivalry. rivalry. And regardless of what Michigan says, you know, they're our little brother. They're not really that much of a competition, blah, 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 blah. You're saying that to get fans riled up. You're saying that to get Michigan State people riled up. You know what you're doing. You know that we're rivals. And don't tell me there isn't salt in your wounds after losing four consecutive years to MSU. Yeah, that's right. Four years in a row. Big brother. I don't think so. If you're the big brother, you're getting old. You need a hip replacement. Because little brother's coming on strong. Unfortunately... Little brother is struggling at the quarterback position, so we're not as strong as we should be. But you know what? This is something that we needed. This is something that, as I said, Connor Cook needed. And I was uh, kind of confused at the the press conference Dan Antonio had following the game. And he stressed the importance of confidence in his players, saying... This has always been his goal, is to increase the confidence of his players. And it's just, I, I, didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't understand that. Because if your goal was to increase the confidence of your players, why didn't you name a starter at the beginning of the season and let him ride it out for the rest of the season? Why didn't you give anybody a chance? If you truly believe that Connor Cook was your guy from week one, why didn't you go with him? Why, why did you go with Maxwell or vice versa? If you believe that Maxwell was your guy, why didn't you stick with Maxwell the entire the entire game versus Western? If that is your concept, if confidence is your concept and you 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 value it so much, then why 
continuously switch quarterbacks for the first two weeks and then in week three decide to say that confidence is your most valued your most valued team concept. It's just like, I, I don't know. It's like political crap to me. Something that he has to say to the media to make everybody get off his back. It's like, no, that's not important to you. I mean, you want confidence because you want success. That's obvious. Every coach wants their players to be confident because that's important. If you don't have a confident team, you're not going to win very many games, period. But to sit there and say that that's all you wanted from Connor Cook to begin with, that's a bunch of crap. If you wanted Connor Cook to be confident, you would have put him in the starting lineup and let him start and let him progress and let him gel with his receivers and his tight end and his running backs and his offensive line. Football's about chemistry. There's no doubt about it. I think football is the one game where it's not a sport that can be affected by one individual. Obviously, one individual can turn the tide and change the st- and change the the dynamics of the game. I'm not saying there aren't people, the inf- impactful people out there like that. Kelvin Johnson from the Detroit Lions, Adrian Peterson, talk about Burbridge who's playing in Louisville, Johnny Manziel, even though a lot of people can't stand them, there's no denying that that kid is talented and he changes the dynamics of the game. He changes games by himself. But it's not by himself. What am I talking about? It's absolutely not by himself. He wouldn't be able to do what he does without his offensive line. He wouldn't be able to do what he does if his receivers or his tight ends didn't get open. He wouldn't be able to do what he does if... If a running back missed a chip block from a blitzing linebacker, or, or if his receivers couldn't catch the ball, and I could go on and on about how uh, a football player's game is affected by the people that surround him. Football is the ultimate team sport. It is. And I think that finally, like I said just a, just a little bit ago at the beginning of the show, how Connor Cook needed that confidence. He needed D'Antonio to come in, and he needed him to say, Listen, you're our starting quarterback. Don't worry about the other guys coming in because it's your game. Play with comfort. Play with confidence. And above all, find chemistry. Find chemistry with the receivers, with your tight end, with everybody on the offensive side of the ball because we need you to find chemistry. We need this to find success because if you don't find chemistry this week, we're asking you to go into South Bend, Indiana and find it there, which is... A hell of a lot harder than finding it in your home stadium against Youngstown State. There was, there was, it was the utmost importance for him to actually find that success, and he did. And I'm happy he did. I'm happier than a lot of people that he did. Because I've been bashing on Connor Cook for the longest time since he started. Last week I had my uh, buddy Anthony on the show, and uh, we were talking about the game versus South Florida. And how it was important for Connor Cook to establish himself against Youngstown State. And and he did it. And he did it. And I questioned it. I questioned the 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 actual concept of even putting Connor Cook in the game. I wanted Jason I I wanted Jason Terry, Atlanta Hawks point guard in the game. Excuse me. I wanted Damian Terry in there. I wanted him to come in and see what he could do, but after that game, Coach D'Antonio made the decision to go with Connor Cook for the rest of the year as a starter and even made the announcement that Terry was going to be redshirted, was going to sit him for the rest of the year and save him for next year. Now, I don't know how this is going to affect 
their recruitment plan because I know recently they signed a five-star recruit out of Detroit Cass. Top of my head, I don't know his name, but kid reminds me of RG3. Oh, man, I watch highlights on him. He's a pretty sick athlete, and right now he's a sophomore. So by the time he graduates, he's probably going to be a five-star quarterback coming out, and I don't, I don't even remember the last time Michigan State has even had of any type of commitment from anybody above a four-star at quarterback. Was Drew Stanton? I don't know. Drew Stanton was probably one of the better quarterbacks that Michigan State has had in a long time. I know people are going to say Kirk Cousins, but Kirk Cousins was a game manager. Kirk Cousins had a lot of talent around him, and he utilized it really well. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins isn't talented because that would be absolutely ridiculous because he is. But I wouldn't say he was the best quarterback. I, I had my doubts about him for a long time when they went into Iowa and just got absolutely demolished by the Hawkeyes when we were going on an undefeated season, and that's how he ended his year. I believe he threw three interceptions that game. So now we have this situation with Connor Cook, and where he was named the starter for week four against Notre Dame. And going in, it's going to be really tough for him to establish this, but I'm really hoping he has a great game because that would be an absolute boost to his confidence. Because Youngstown State's one thing, but nothing will shut up the media and the haters like going into number 22 Notre Dame's house and beating them. Be a huge, huge stepping stone for Connor Cook, considering he still is only a sophomore, redshirt sophomore. He's an athletic kid, not going to lie. He can run. He reads the defense as well when he runs, but I don't, I don't want him to run. I want him to pass. I want him to show off that athleticism as a quarterback passing the ball, not necessarily running. I like the fact that you can tuck the ball and get 15 yards when there's nothing open. That's a very, very, very valuable asset to have in a quarterback. However, he does need to show a little more accuracy in Michigan State's game versus Notre Dame for people to jump on his bandwagon and believe that he is Michigan State's best option moving forward. It's going to be something that's going to be very interesting to see going down the road. Now here's Dan Antonio in his press conference Tuesday. This is what he has to say about this week's game versus Notre Dame. Mark, on the defensive side of the ball for you, Tommy Reese does a terrific job with the pre-snap read. He's probably one of the best in the country. Is doing a better job of masking blitzes and not letting him do that pre-snap read very critical for you this week? Well, you know, I think he uses a lot of the clock, obviously. You see him checking a lot, doing those type of things. And but the ball can be snapped at any time, and I think, you know, uh, uh, that's what's the tough thing about it. Sometimes you have to show things and, you know, get out of things and, you know, make adjustments. But uh, he does a great job doing that. He does a great job throwing the ball down the field, and I've been very impressed with him in terms of, you know, standing in there and taking a hit or, um, you know, getting out of a bad play and getting into another one. Uh, but that's experience, and you see that happening. And uh, uh, strong-arm quarterback, deep routes. And, uh, you know, he makes it happen. But I, I, I agree with you, you know. Guy does a lot of things at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, but I think that's their system, too. They've been asked to do those things, and um, that's coaching. Just wonder, Mark, what does this rivalry mean to you? What does it mean to your team? And then how do you think it's viewed nationally? Or? Uh, for me personally, it's... Um, it's always been a big game, very big game. I think I've said this before. There are certain games that you sort of point at and say, well, what's your record versus these guys over a period of time as you move through it? And you may have to stop and count a little bit, but, but if you've been in them long enough. But uh, you get a sense of, okay, hey, we've done this this many times. And as I said, I think we're, 
you know, three and two down at Notre Dame, you know, in terms of when I've been down there. So we've, we've won down there, but uh, not won the last two times. So it's going to be challenging for us. But I think it's one of those games where you, you take stock. And after your career is all over, you look back and you say, this is what happened there. Because it, it, is, a, it is a game for a guy who grew up in the Midwest that you recognize, you know, Notre Dame, you recognize Michigan State, and you sort of grow up with that, uh, with a lot of the traditions maybe that um, were involved before you got here. So just uh, very humble to be a part of the process and part of the tradition. Mark, what have you seen so far from Notre Dame's linebackers, especially Jared Grace, who's sort of having to help replace Teo there? You know, they're, they're linebackers. they got two guys that are back and two guys that uh, are younger, although I think Shoemates played, played last year. Jalen Smith's a guy that uh, is a true freshman that uh, was a national recruit and a uh, very good player, and, he, and he's active for a true freshman. He, he knows what's going on out there. He's very active. You know, uh, Calabrese and Dan Fox are in there. Jared Grace is playing as well. So they're playing different guys, but, uh, you know, they're thumpers. That's what I see those inside guys being. They're thumpers. They're guys that have to get up get up on in the face of guards and things of that nature when they're playing their, their 30 front with their heavy techniques by their defense alignment. Nick sort of makes it happen with, you know, 326 pounds, probably on a, on a day he's dieting, it looks like, um, that uh, he's a big, firm guy that, uh, you know, takes – takes on people and, and controls the, you know, the center box. And, you know, we have to be, you know, mindful of that because you've got to be able to run the ball. I, I believe you have to be able to run the ball against these guys. And so we got to find a way to do that. But uh, Grace, a very good player. We recruited him out of high school. A lot of these guys we, were, we recruited out of high school. That was 1997, as I remember. Eric Morris and, you know, Sori Canoe and Amp Campbell and Ronaldo Hill were playing in, in the secondary uh, at that time. Uh, you know, we had some we had some good players. We won down there. Um, I can't even remember who was coaching them, but uh, I just said, you know it was a great atmosphere. The thing that you recognize about these big rival games for us is is that there's going to be ten to ten thousand people that are down there that are Spartan fans. I mean that's reality. You know, our band's going to be down there, and that's exciting to see them right there on the sidelines. So it, it sort of brings together much like when they come here. There's a lot of Notre Dame fans when they come here. So it's sort of, uh, you're not down there by yourself. So you sort of feel that, and um, it gets you going. It's exciting. It's a great atmosphere to play in. They don't have a mascot or anything at midfield. But looking at, looking at Notre Dame's the center of their defensive line, it's amazing. Two, two players weigh like 680 pounds together. Did you ever, yeah. for, ever foresee the game coming that way, and, and how do you counter that? I, they're also, and, and talk about what those two players do. Uh, well, those guys, um, you know, Nicks and uh, Truett, uh, you know, they're uh, big, firm guys. They control the center box. They control the C area at times. They two-gap you, and you saw what happened last year, although I think we went away from the run, as I mentioned last year in the second half, a little bit too early. But um, they controlled our line of scrimmage last year. Uh, is it hard to believe? Yeah, 680 pounds? Yeah, it's hard to believe two guys. We have to put three together. Um, but uh, uh, that's the state of the game today. You know, when I played back in the, the late 70s, you know, players weren't that big. Then into the, I think into through the, uh, the 90s, players were big. We had some big guys. They had big guys, you know, with 280 pounds or so. Uh, you know, those were big guys. 280, 290, those were big guys. Now it's, it's 310, 320. 
So it's probably upped itself in the last 10 years, uh, probably 15 years, the last 15. You know, it's up. You know, players are bigger and faster, and uh, you know, there's more power involved, more velocity. I think there's there's people that are you know training differently, um, eating nutritionally. Believe it or not, I can lay off those biscuits. Um, but uh, I just think it's maybe just the nature of things getting better and better and faster and more high tech. I guess a little bit. You know, everything that we all do. Mark, I noticed that a tackle foes listed as a number two. Is that because he's still not quite 100 percent? Are you just happy with the Clark Conklin kind of combination there a tackle? Well, I think you look at who you play against and you ask yourself who's going to be better suited to play against these big people. You know, and uh, you know Jack Conklin's 320 some pounds himself. You know, so we've got some big 300 pounders up there as well. So uh, you look at that, and then the, the aspect that uh, you know foes coming off an injury. And this was really his first time that he played a lot this last week. And Conklin played well. So um, we'll go with that. Donovan Clark, Clark also played well, and he's a firm guy. And um, you look for things that people do, and, and, and you try and, I guess, match the, your guys up with their guys. Hey, Mark, uh, you talked last week about the importance of finding a quarterback before the Big Ten season started. How important was it to find a guy before this game, and, and what is having a starter? do for this game? Well, I think it was very important for our total team that we had success passing the football. And that was a combination of guys catching the ball, like on those 50-50 catches I talk about, or those uh, or great throws. So, again, we're growing as a football team. We've got a young quarterback in there who's a redshirt sophomore. This will be a great experience for him because he's going to have an environment to play in that's going to simulate really what a lot of the Big Ten environments are going to be um, from this point on. So that's going to be a, a, a period of growth for him, and I think it's a very exciting time. I want our guys to have fun down there. I want us to compete, and, uh, you know, Connor Cook's going to do that. I understand. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to do that. Uh, but we can't, uh, we can't negate the fact that we've got to make plays running the football as well. Mark, the, the growing pains you've gone through offensively or are in the middle of wherever that is, is there some comfort in knowing this may be something that once it's developed, it's a two- or three-year thing that's set based on the age of a lot of these players? Can you talk about that dynamic a little bit? Yeah, I think that any time, you know, college football is, runs in cycles, so any time you, you, you get a young guy who's playing well, regardless of who that is, regardless of what position, you know, it sort of sets you up for the future. And so especially when you come in you're, and you're sort of dealing with it on a ground, ground roots level and you're starting to build from here, I think great things can happen for you. Um, obviously, you want a guy that's got experience, and you know, as well. But I do, I do think it sort of sets us up for the future. We have young quarterbacks, quarterbacks with the exception of uh, of Maxwell. I think they all have talent. You know, we've talked about Damian Terry. I gave him an opportunity last week. I just don't feel like he's ready yet. Um, you know, Tyler O'Connor came in and did some good things. He will continue to see a lot of growth as he plays forward. And I think uh, Connor Cook's a guy that's, you know, in his third year, and you're starting to see some maturity on his part. And, um, good things start to happen. He gives you the ability to run the football as well. And, you know, I can't say enough about Andrew Maxwell because the way he's handled the situation and, you know, his opportunities are going to come as well. I just feel that they're going to come. Something's going to happen where there's going to be an opportunity for Andrew to make a statement. And I don't think his, uh, that he's done here is a Spartan. Um, but he's handled things amazingly. Um, just like I knew he would. That right there was Coach D'Antonio in his weekly press conference on Tuesday. 
talking about the quarterback situation moving forward. I don't really know what he was talking about when he said that Maxwell is going to be in their future plans, but I wouldn't be surprised if old coach had a few tricks up his sleeve later later in the Big Ten season. That right there is going to do it for Spartan Red Zone. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and go green.